appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's very kind. As always, got my, my trusty chair for those that uh, know me. But it's a great privilege this morning to be here and to be able to share the, this message with you this morning. It's been burning on my heart. I struggled to go to sleep last night, so I was wide awake at 12 o'clock. And, uh, and for those that are, are visiting, my name's Jonathan Sharp. I serve on the eldership team here, along with Grant. And uh, Grant is not as humble uh, because he uh, obviously doesn't need marriage prep and marriage because everything's sorted, but we're working on him. And um, unlike Brad, who needs... But we're working through this series called Radical. And we are journeying through the book of Galatians. And what is interesting about the book of Galatians is that Paul writes to the Galatians 20 years after the church uh, had been planted, that he himself planted. This was more or less the same time in terms of Jesus' death, resurrection. You know, 20 years had gone by, so our witnesses were still alive at that time. And, and Paul was so concerned with the Galatians church because they had been drifting from truth. They were deserting God, the God of grace, who saved them from their sins. They were perverting the gospel because they were adding to what Jesus had already done. And they were actually returning to human effort to be justified. But I tell you what, friends, we think we are justified by the amount of times we come to church. By the amount of times we pray. We think that if we add these things to what Christ has already done, somehow we're going to satisfy Him. We're going to, he's, we're going to get His approval. But it's in our hearts as well. Religion. Uh, man's attempt to appease God. I want to begin this morning by asking this question. Paul, like I said, wrote this letter to the Galatians 20 years after he had planted it. And I consider ourselves, Bay City Church, next year we're going to be 20 years old. 20 years old. Can you believe it? 20 years old in the city. But this letter that Paul writes, if, if Paul was around today, what would to us, will he commend us, Baz, you can bring us down a bit on the, on the mic. Would he commend us for our faith? Would he say, well done, good and faithful servant? You steadfast in, in the word. You're loving Christ. You're making disciples. Keep on, keep on going. Or would he rebuke us or challenge us? Because this is what happened to the Galatians church 20 years after the planting of the church. And so he's concerned for them. Because they are stepping away from the grace of God. You know, I consider Bay City Church and we, part of this leadership, you know, have tried our very best to stick to the Word of God, to live according to the Spirit. We've, we've tried to teach according to what we see in Scripture and everything that we have done, we've done it to honor Jesus Christ. Our vision statement for Bay City Church is loving God, loving people, reaching out. And we believe that we want to be a people that not only enjoy God, that not only love one another in this building, but we are a community that reaches out with the gospel that has the ability to change lives. That's what we believe. That's what we believe. And it's not, I'm not here saying, well done, John O. Well done, Bay City leadership. But I'm looking and recognizing and acknowledging the faithfulness of God who uses imperfect, unqualified men like myself, to teach people about his gospel. This is what grace has done. 
When you look in the mirror and you remember your life prior to Christ and where you are today, maybe not perfect, maybe not where you want to be, but what we can say is look at what God's grace has done. Hey, I used to live a rebellious life. I slept around. I got drunk like four times a week. I thought that somehow this would satisfy me. I remember my mom. She used to shake me awake. Well, at least try. She would want to call the ambulance because this guy's not waking up. But look at what God has done. But I asked this question, what would Paul write to Bay City Church? Because we are 20 years in. But what does 40 years in look like for Bay City Church? What does 60, 100 years look like for Bay City Church? That's a question I'm asking myself. Because how we build today will determine how we live tomorrow. And if we are building on anything other than Christ himself, we are on sinking sand. We are in a desperate place. I realize this, that if we are to stay the course, if we are to honor Jesus in everything we do, if we are to live out this gospel, reaching out to our community, our city, our family members, the nations, our heart is to raise this generation that's sitting all on the right-hand side here. We want to raise a generation, and I'm not negating anyone else in this room, but we want to raise a generation that is behind us that will go beyond us because of the gospel. Whether it's your grandchildren or your children, whether it's the, the, the community that God adds to this local church, and if we are to stay the course, friends, we're going to have to contend for the gospel. In a world that is violently opposed to the good news, there are nations where you're not allowed to preach the gospel for fear of actually imprisonment or death. In South Africa, we have the freedom to declare the good news that brings life to everyone who submits to it and everyone who surrenders to it. We live in a world today where the gospel is being of making it more palatable, more inclusive, more intolerant. But friends, there is one gospel. One gospel. There is one Savior. There is one King. There is one message. There is one way. And His name is Jesus Christ. And we get to enjoy His favor, not because of anything that we've done, but because of his goodness. In 1 Timothy it says this, and it says, In the later times some will depart the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And as Christians, if we are so fixated on pleasing man rather than pleasing God, I'm going to tell you now, we will always default to man because we will be scared or fearful of what they might say or what they might do. And we might end up compromising our faith because we didn't contend for this gospel. Not only for our lives, but for the lives of those outside of this building. 
So let's read Galatians 1, 6 to 10. And the central theme of this morning's message is that there is no other gospel. I trust that you've got that. Huh? We're on the same page. Huh? Read Galatians 1, 6 to 10. This is the ESV version. It says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are returning to a different gospel. Not, there yet, not that there is another one, but there are some who, are, who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if, we are, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I am, for am I now seeking the approval of man or, if, or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's serious, eh? Hey? If we want to be a servant of Christ, we're not going to please man. Because this gospel, this message of grace convicts and confronts our hearts that are dead, that are sinful. But we need this gospel because it's within the gospel that life flows. And so we see in this text that Paul is addressing the Galatians church because they're abandoning God and the gospel and they're perverting the gospel. There are these false teachers that have come within the life of the church. It's not just outside in the world that we have to watch out, but sometimes in the life of the church and these men were mixing Old Testament law with the gospel of grace. They weren't denying Christ, and that's the thing. It sounds so biblical. It sounds so true. It's in the Bible. Can't you see it? We justify Scripture for our own preferences. They were saying, you know, Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus dietary laws. Jesus plus keeping the Sabbath. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine our DNA meetings? Oh, for those that don't know what DNA is, DNA is a three-week course that we hold for those that want to partner with Bay City Church. And it's a space where we get to share who we are, what we believe, our values. And in order to partner with us, you've got to go through this course so that you know what you're agreeing to. But imagine in the DNA I say, hey, listen, by the way, uh, if you want to be a partner of Bay City Church, you're going to have to be circumcised. And uh, you are in luck because next week Friday, we're going to be hosting a circumcision service. <laughs> I'm glad Brad leads the DNA. You can do all of those checks. You know what I'm saying? That's ridiculous. But we're adding to Christ. They were adding to you know, Yeah. No more bacon. No more crispy bacon. No more pork ribs, pork belly, pork sausage, pork roast. You, 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 what was interesting is they were putting, they were saying that one is clean before God based upon what you put into your mouth, right? Jesus comes and he says, it's not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean, but it's what comes out of your heart that makes you, because out of the heart, what comes? Murder. Hatred, unforgiveness, selfishness, jealousy. See, the, the heart of a person needs to change. Not our behavior, not the external, 
And certainly food is not going to change the heart of man. And I thank God because I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good with crispy bacon. And I get to serve the living Christ. Not so. Hallelujah. Listen to this man. It's so true. It's so true. Man, to, to attain the approval of God, but rather the work of grace in one's life that comes through faith in Christ. That is what is God has approved. It's the work of grace in our lives. And Paul understood this when he was writing to the church. He was a Jew of Jews, circumcised on the eighth day, according to the law, perfect. According to his zeal, a persecutor of the church. He murdered Christians. And on the way to Damascus, on the Damascus road, he encounters Christ. And if I was Christ, I would have taken Paul and smite him. Huh? If we were in the position of God, what would we do with those that have harmed us and wronged us? But what does God do? He pours out his grace. Like he poured out his grace upon me. Like he poured out his grace upon you. And look what that grace did to Paul. It changed his life, but it changed the history of the world. He goes and he writes two-thirds of the New Testament. What can, if God can do that with Paul, what can he do with us? Do you believe it? That his grace is enough for us? I love what Paul says in Corinthians 15. Talking about this grace. It is a beautiful... You know, I'm least of the apostles because when, God, when Christ met him, he became this apostle, this super apostle. But he was a, perse a persecutor of the church. And he says, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the least of the apostles. I don't know if you've come in this morning going, I'm the least of all people in this building. I'm not a real good evangelist. You know, my life is not that great. I'm the least. I want you to hear this. Paul says he acknowledges his lack. But then he goes and he says, but I am who I am because of the grace of God, the grace of Christ that is at work within me. And it says that he, because of this grace, he works harder than them all, not out of an ability, not to earn God's favor, because of the grace that is at work within us. This is the true gospel, friends. This is why Paul was troubled. Because they were abandoning this grace that is the only grace that can save us. We need to have a revelation again of the magnitude of what Christ did on the cross for our sins. He didn't just say it is finished when you do X, Y, and Z. Finished. Nothing added, nothing taken away, perfect, complete, and yet we want to add to it. What can we add to such a beautiful gospel? <laughs> we should feel the comfort of God come, the peace of God when we recognize that I stand here purely based on the grace of God and no ability from man because there is nothing good that comes from man. 
I had someone in my life who played a critical role and a pivotal role in my walk with Jesus. And I, I, he was a mentor to me, and I walked with him for, for months and years, and, and I grew in maturity because he was, he was a great Bible teacher. And I fell in love with Jesus, and I had questions, and he would answer me. And, and as the years went by, his message slowly began to change. We started looking more at the feasts, the Jewish feasts. We started looking more at, at traditions and rules and regulations. And I remember the one morning or the one evening we had got into this discussion back and forth, back and forth. This is someone I'm looking up to. This is someone that I trust with my life. But there's something in me that, that I'm, I'm busy wrestling with, something like the Galatians that I'm troubled by because he said to me, truly saved. And in that moment, I, I was troubled, but I knew that the gospel that he was preaching was a gospel of works, not a gospel of grace. He was so concerned about what man has to do, he's lost sight of what Christ has already done. And where does that leave me now? He's been serving Christ for so long. What do I do? Well, I tell you what you do. You go to the Word of God. And I came across the Scripture as I was wrestling with God, as I was troubled. And this is what it says. And it brought life to me. The Word of God brings life. It exposes that which is false. The Word of God illuminates Christ's truth to us. And it brings hope and it brings confidence and it keeps us sure-footed in times where things are rumbling and shaking out there. The church can stand firm because we have a gospel that is unwavering. And in Romans 2 verse 28 to 29, it says this, For you are not a true Jew because you were born of Jewish parents. Or because, thank the Lord. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. I said, I thought, I've trusted in Christ. I know I've got His righteousness. I know I'm being forgiven. I know I'm right with God. Okay, that's all I need. I'm right with God. That's what it means to be a true Jew, to be right with God. Okay, I'm there. He goes on and he says, In true, Christ <laughs> true Christian, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. It's not me trying to fumble through laws that God has put in place, but rather it's the work of the Spirit. When I confess Jesus and I put faith in Christ and I surrendered my life, the Bible says that He sealed me with His Holy Spirit. Now, His Holy Spirit comes in and He sanctifies us, meaning He makes us more like Jesus day by day. We're not perfect. But he kind of works out some of that stuff that's mm, not so nice in the heart. But there's grace. Even in imperfection, that's the point of the gospel, is that you can't do it. But it's the Spirit of God that brings life. I used to live this way. I used to love sinfulness. I, I used to rebel against God, but now I love righteousness. Well, now I want to tell people about Jesus. Again, I'm not perfect. And then he says, and a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Amen? Well, praise from God. 
See, if you seek approval from men, we will always be tempted to compromise our walk with God. Again, out of fear of what they might say or do. A works-based gospel is no gospel at all. The word gospel means good news. It's no good news because I know what's in my heart. I know what I did last week. I know what I did this week. There's things in my life that that I want to do that I don't do, as Paul says. And there's other things that I don't want to do that I end up doing. You know, when that taxi driver pulls up in front of you, I call it Nick rage. You know, Nick always talks about his driving issues that he has. But there's something that want to manifest in me. This old man wants to come out. But it's the gospel that keeps me living in a way that honors him. Because if it was up to me, I would zap those acts. No, well, that's okay. There's a lot of words they use that I don't know. Like no cap. Literally means not a lie. That's what it means. Am I correct? Not a lie. Thank you. You're welcome. I've wasted your life now for the last 10 seconds. See, when we turn away from living by God's grace, we must depend on our own power, which leads to failure and disappointment, hey? If I look inward and I try and live a godly life, man, I fall short every single day. But when I look to Christ in faith and in trust, Jesus perfect, Jesus on the cross, Jesus satisfies the wrath of God. You must understand, friends, the wrath of God is coming to this world, and He is going to judge the living and the dead. If He wasn't a holy God, if He wasn't a just judge, He can't just wipe away sin. He can't just forgive sin. He's got to deal with sin. Imagine a judge in the courts has to set someone free just because he, because he has the power to. Someone who's murdered your child. Do you think that is fair? We would say, no, that judge is corrupt. But when we look to God, we say, Jesus came. And he satisfied the righteous requirements that God requires of every single person. And what is amazing is that as Jesus bleeds, God pours out his wrath upon him. And his judgment as a substitute. They call it penal substitution. Christ taking the penalty that was upon our lives upon himself. And the way that we access the forgiveness of sins, the way that we access the righteousness of God is when we surrender our lives to Christ. And we trust him. It's as if we've lived the life that Christ lived. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Man, there's so much about this gospel of grace that I want to share with you, but I see we're running out of time. So what is this grace? I want to read the scripture to us because I I could do it, and I could put it together in my own words, but I, wanna, I want us to listen to the scripture. It says this, 
in Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 9. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins world, following the prince of power or the air, the spirit that is now at work in sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And that's got to sit in our hearts, friends, because you and I have the gospel message that has the ability to reveal another way where God's judgment is removed, and it's this gospel. When Paul says to the people in this text in Galatians that they would be accursed, that word in the Greek is anathema, which means destined for destruction. Anyone who preaches another gospel other than the one that they've preached, whether it's angels or any of them, they are destined for destruction. Jude actually puts it like this. He compares them to a, a, a wandering star in the heavens destined for utter darkness. Utter darkness. And when I think about the wrath of God on every person that doesn't know Jesus, what does it do in me? Does it cause me to have compassion? To lay down my life and tell them about him? Because we've got the keys, guys. We've got the keys to eternal life. And I've been lazy. If I can be vulnerable with you. People are complicated. They're messy. And rather than getting involved, I just ignore. But a time has to come, friends, where the church understands that God's plan, not our plan, is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to all creation. You and I. You and I. By nature, Children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But verse 4. <laughs> but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Our boast and utterly in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not something that you can earn by human effort, Ability to be better or good. One simply receives God's grace. Not on merit, but as a gift which comes through faith in Christ. Trusting Christ. Surrendering to Christ. He is the substance of our faith. He is the source of this gospel. We rely solely on what Jesus has done. And we put no confidence in human effort. Hear me now. 
no confidence. And that should bring freedom to us in this building today. Because like the Galatians, they were troubled. Can I ask the musicians to come up? The Galatians, they were troubled because they had this law put on them, added to them. And sometimes we come into this building on a Sunday and we look good on the outside, but on the inside we're troubled. I feel like I'm not enough. I feel like I should be doing more. This is what makes the good news good news, is that you can't. You can't. Does that bring rest to your soul? Does that bring peace? We're going to take a moment and ask the guys to prepare the song. And I just really sense that, you know, there might be some that feeling troubled, that, that God's grace is maybe something that we know here, but something that's lacking here. I just feel like even if you're sitting in your seats, that, that God has the ability to revive, to restore. And, it, and it's fit, our focus is Jesus. It's coming to Jesus with the baggage. And it's allowing Him to offload it as we submit to Him and surrender to Him. He's not only our Savior, He's our Lord and our Master. There might be some in this building who have been running from Christ. You've been running because of sin, because of things in our lives. We all do. None of us are exempt from this. But there's an opportunity here for you to come back to Christ. You see, no one is out of reach for His grace and His kindness and His mercy. The worst person in your mind right now that you think will never believe. I tell you what, when we bow our knees before God, God has the ability to change hearts because changing of hearts is not me changing my behavior. The changing of heart is when I submit to Christ and when His Spirit fills me and changes me inside out. And this is the gospel that the world needs to hear. An unedited gospel where his people, you and I, become ambassadors as if God was reconciling the world through us. This message of reconciliation. I am saved. I am changed. I'm an example. I'm a testimony to the world around me. And maybe you just need this morning courage again. Like me, that brings life. I'm going to ask us to respond however you want. Because it's not about how many people come to the front. Our success is not rooted in man's approval. It's rooted in Jesus. And He can deal with you wherever you are. But if you want to come forward, you want someone to stand with you and partner with you and pray with you, 
because we stay the course by sticking to God's word. We stay the course by these partnerships that we have with one another, translocally, this NCMI team that we partner with. They, it's a protection. There's life there. So if you need someone to stand with you, pray with you, come forward. If you just want to bow before Jesus, do so. But don't leave this building without responding to him. He is our king. He is our savior. And one day we're going to stand in eternity glorifying him, worshiping him, seeing him face to face where there is no fear, no death, the very tears that we cry says that he's going to come. No pain. There is an eternity coming, friends. What are you living for? What is keeping you going? What is keeping you staying the course? And I trust that we will not depart like the Galatians were in this gospel of truth. However you want to respond to Jesus this morning, come to the front. Sit in your chairs. If you need someone to pray for you, we are here. We'd love to pray with you. It would be a great joy. If you don't know Christ, this is an opportunity to respond to Him. We can lead you in that. But we're all together. We're all family. Please stand with me. Father, we thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, who is of infinite worth and infinite value, you gave him to a sinful world that neither knew him nor respected him nor honored him. But you said those that would believe in him will not be born of human decision or human will, but would be born of God. That we could know the living God. That we could be forgiven of our past sins. That we could be forgiven not out of obligation but out of a God who loves and although he is just and the penalty severe separation from God death Christ we thank you that you have made a way for us to have life and eternal life in this life and in the one to come eternal life to know the one true God in Christ Jesus. And may we reveal you, Jesus. Just as we worship, God's respond to him. However, you desire.